You may be seated. He is an awesome God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to, I have a, I don't, I just hate to have people stand for lengthy, endure my lengthy reading of the scriptures. So I, I was going to have you sit. Typically, I just pick out a verse, but I'm going to read all of Psalms 46, all 11 verses, but not very lengthy but I would just rather have you sit for that so if you have your Bibles turn to Psalms 46 did I say 13 verses I don't remember what I said 11 verses if I said 13 <clears throat> Psalms 46 I have a probably a couple of lessons I'm going to have to teach before I get into the next series um, that I'm studying but I did I just didn't have it ready today so I just had to go with something else and I don't know I teach in a couple of weeks and I'll probably have to do because I got to get I have to figure out uh, well it's I just have to get further on into it before I can start it so Psalms chapter 46 verse 1 God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams thereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. <clears throat> the, he the heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he has made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in fire be still and know that I am God I will be exalted among the heathen I will be exalted in the earth the Lord of hosts is with us the God of Jacob is our refuge Selah I'm gonna I'm gonna teach from the first three verses of this this psalm and um, some years ago I have when I got in the church, Brother Walters bought, he, he bought, he would buy the ministers, um, the Sunday school, the adult Sunday school curriculum. And they were nice, beautiful, hardbound uh, copies of a book. And I'd started out in, in the 90s, so I, I've kept it up <clears throat> all these years. And every once in a while, I'll just go through them. I'll just pick them out and start. There's so much, there's so much good information. In fact, Brother <clears throat> Junior <clears throat> asked me about a, a certain topic, and I went through there and just, I, I think I ended up with 100 pages of different lessons that I sent him. I emailed him, and there's just there's just so much good apostolic information in there <clears throat> but one day when I was looking through there <clears throat> I was looking at a lesson 
and I just look I just enjoy looking through them and just in and reading some of it and seeing what the the outline of it and all that those things and but there was there was three lines that just jumped out of the page and <clears throat> I wrote them they're written in the front of my Bible and they are these three lines life is wonderful live it life is hard endure it life is purposeful find it and they said it just spoke so much to me <clears throat> and actually I taught a little lesson about that some years ago <clears throat> but it really speaks it speaks of the dual nature of of life it's hard and life life comes at us from every different angle life throws us curveballs and that nature of life is just hard and Jesus summed it up the hard part of, the, of this dual nature best in John chapter 16, verse 33. <clears throat> and he said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye, have, ye, shall, ye shall have tribulation. So we shall have tribulation in this world. <clears throat> he didn't promise us a rose garden, right? <clears throat> it's going to be... We're going to have some tribulation. We're going to have some trials. We're going to have some, some troubles, as it's, it's stated in, in verse 1 of, of Psalms 46. We're going to have some troubles in this life. <clears throat> and um, Matthew chapter 24, in verse 9 through 14, says it this way. <clears throat> and it's talking about the end times. Matthew chapter 24 is talking about the end times. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and, and shall kill you and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall they, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another and many false prophets shall rise and, and shall deceive many. And because the iniquity, iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved and this gospel of the of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations and then shall the end come so he said in verse 13 but he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved so this isn't a speaking of a tiptoeing through the tulips right it's speaking of if we got to endure something, there's going to be some hard times, there's going to be some troubles, there's going to be some trials. <clears throat> so 2 Timothy 2.3 says we're supposed to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4.5 says we're supposed to endure afflictions. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 7 says we're supposed to endure chastening of of, God, of the Lord. First Peter 2.19 says for um, we're supposed to endure grief. And then there's the parable, the parable of the sower and the seed in, in, Ma in Mark chapter 4 and verse 19. <clears throat> there's that, that parable of the seed. The seed gets tossed out and some of the people, uh, some of the people receive it 
Some of it, it gets stolen away, right? The, the, uh, the enemy steals the word away. The, the seed is the word. The sower is, is, is God. And um, in, in that parable, in Mark chapter 4 and verse 17, it says, and, ha and they, this is, the, this is the, um, the, um, the stony ground. Jesus says, this is the parable. This is the interpretation of all the seed that falls on the, stone, the stony ground. And, and there shall no root and, excuse me, and have no root in themselves. And so endured, but for a time afterward, when afflictions or persecution ariseth, ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they were offended. So here it tells us that one of the reasons people don't make it is that they don't endure. They, they endure but for a time, just for a little while. And the, the definition of, some of the words used in the definition of endure is persevere, endure, sustain, bear up under, suffer as a load of misery, adversaries, persecutions, bear patiently. That's what endure. And <clears throat> And then Jesus summed up the wonderful part of the dual nature of life in John chapter 6, verse 33. I just didn't read it. He said, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So he Here's the, here's the dual nature all in one. We're going to have tribulations, but be of good cheer because Jesus overcame the world. <clears throat> the, the dual nature of, of life is wonderful. It's a good life living for the Lord is what Brother Jeans would say all the time. And we, we have many perks living for God. I love the perks of living for God. And I spoke about this recently on Thanksgiving, but Psalm 68 and verse 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. And there's truth in this portion of scripture about a loving, giving God. And three truths I picked out of this, this scripture. God's benefits to us are not intermittent. Not now, one week, then the next week, one month and the next week, one season and the next season. But it says the Bible tells us he daily loadeth us with benefits. God's benefits to us are not few in number, but they are loads. He loadeth us with benefits. And God's benefits are not for a special few, but he daily loadeth us, everybody here. Every single person is daily loaded with benefits. So Psalms chapter 46. Some of the background of Psalms chapter 46. And it, it says in the superscription, it says to the chief musician of the sons of Korah, is what it says. In the, in the title with Psalms 46 and then it says a superscription. Um, 
So it says, it just tells us that it's uh, for the sons of Korah. And some, if you read the commentaries, and I was, try, I was looking for the background of it. Some say it was written when David had military victories over, the, over Israel's enemies. There was multiple people that said when, when David, David had victories, this psalm was written. And uh, <clears throat> there one says it was written after an earthquake that supposedly took place on the night that 185,000 soldiers of the Assyrian army were destroyed by God when they came against Jerusalem. One says it was written by the, the sons of Korah after they returned to Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile. And then there was one that says it was written when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. And this is what, it's actually from Jack Hiles, the story behind the Psalms. And it says this, this beautiful song was sung every year on the anniversary of the crossing of the Red Sea. And I'm, I'm only reading this because this is so interesting. It, it actually backs up our plan of salvation. It, this beautiful song was sung every year on the universe, anniversary of the crossing of the Red Sea. It was also sung upon the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, which was on the exact date of the crossing of the Red Sea, just as the crucifixion of Christ was on the same day as the Passover. <clears throat> but the, there's a common theme. Whatever these, what, whatever, wherever, wherever it took place, the writing of it and what was the occasion of it, there was a common theme in it. And that common theme was it, was, it was a time in the history of Israel where God, he interceded when there were overwhelming odds. It was, it was an impossible situation from a human perspective. And every one of these is viewed that way. They, they looked at it, they read the psalm, and they, because of the context of the psalm, they looked at the history of Israel and they tried placing it in a situation where they were in dire straits, right? They had a problem and it was beyond fixing by human, human by mankind. It was outside of their control and they, they needed a solution. God intervened and took care of it. <clears throat> Psalms 46. Psalms 46 and verse 1. I'm going to read the first six, six words. God is our refuge and strength. God is our refuge and strength. Refu refuge here means shelter. It indicates a place of protection, security. You know, our current use of it is like a game refuge, right? There's, there's game in North Dakota, I suppose, all across the country, there's game refuges that, that are places where that uh, hunters cannot hunt and kill animals. So if a, if a, 
a duck or a goose or whatever fly over into that game refuge, they're safe and they're protected. <clears throat> that is the use of our, one of the uses in our, and, and shelter, it's the, the word refuge in, uh, the word refuge in Psalms 46, or 40, it, it means a shelter. <clears throat> uh, refuge means a shelter. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this because I found this from, in a, a word study book. The word refuge in Psalms 46 and verse seven and 46 verse 11 are even stronger. It's a different Hebrew word and it means in, in impregnable high fortress. In other words, when, when the, the, the Psalm continues, it means that there's a fortress that cannot be conquered when it's talking about this refuge. And then it, it talks about strength, which means strength and power. So our refuge and our strength are not in our abilities, our knowledge and wisdom, great mental capacity, money, 401k, past success, the country we live in, with the strong military, the constitution, free markets, it's not our charm, good looks, or silver tongue. God is our refuge and strength. It's not in our ability, it's just God. God is our refuge and strength. In the next two, four, six, four words in Psalms chapter 46 and verse one, a very present help very present help. The modifier very, again, this is from a, <clears throat> oh, this is actually from the Defender's Study Bible. The modifier very in this verse is a, is a strong word indicating that God is an intensively present helper for his people in times of trouble. This is, this is that God that God is a very present help. To me, it's beautiful. It is, it's quite a statement, right? He's a, he's a, he's a very present help. It's, it's beautiful to have help. But on the other hand, to me, it convicts me. And I'll tell you why. This is, this is spoken about a God that has all power, all knowledge, is everywhere, and is not limited by time so he can see the beginning from the end. Could we ask for a better helper? How could, we, how could we ask if anybody had a resume as a helper for us, we couldn't ask for a better one. We would get God's resume on our desk and we'd say, we, we need to quit looking, right? We can't get a better helper. He simply spoke the world into existence. Do you know of anybody that's done that lately? You know, I, uh, last week I spoke a, a steak with some, with some rice and some, a Caesar salad and some water into existence at, at the Longhorn restaurant. That's the best I can do. That's as good as it gets for me. But God spoke the world into existence. I mean, what a resume. What a resume. 
but mankind finds its helper finds a but mankind finds a helper that is an imposter mankind finds a helper in the medicine cabinet to calm them get them to sleep at night get them moving in the morning shuts their mind down helps them lose weight they look to the bottle the legal and illegal drugs the educational system the high paying job the overtime the relationships and more relationships the list goes on and on only to be in the same or worse state after getting help from the imposter like i said it's beautiful that we have a god that is so great so loving knows everything knows the beginning from the end and meanwhile mankind looks towards the imposter that's that's the way it's convicting to me because there's sometimes i try doing it by myself i don't ask god for help and um we think we would learn this speaks of a personal helper a tender loving helper compared to this cold heartless imposter we live in a time where everything is instant the days of getting information from an a family encyclopedia or dictionary there's probably people here that are old enough to remember when there was a day to day door to door salesman that would go around and sell world book encyclopedias and i don't what what other that's what we had we had world book a a big line it started with a and b and c and i don't know there was how many were combined so if there was 20 some in the encyclopedia then there was actually two there was two different sets i don't remember what the second was about but then there was a dictionary two we had two two uh it was a two volume set dictionary well that was the way we got information back then every i would assume probably every family had one of those or any family that could afford one i'm sure they they were a nice set they were good looking and and well put together set that i suppose they were figuring you would have for years in fact i bet brother Joel still has one yeah yep <laughs> uh, yeah there used to be a thing called in business there used to be a thing called the Thomas register right I don't know if anybody ever I know brother Joel knows that we had one at work multiple volumes if you wanted to find something you would go and you would look up this I mean it was huge I don't know how many feet long that thing was and how many you could look up a company just a company name and they had to they had to pay to to go into that Thomas register and or you would look up like a bearing and then somebody would pay to have their company name in the section under bearings and that's the way you had him for it now I don't have my I don't carry my phone with me on Sundays so but all you'd have to do is pull out your phone and you have instantly you have all the information you need instantly let's see where I'm at we don't have to go to a library to get information 
food can be heated up in minutes or fractions of a minute in a microwave. We have instant soup, instant rice, instant pudding, instant oatmeal, instant mashed potatoes, instant coffee. We can get anything instantly. But nothing is more instant than God's help. Nothing is more instant. He's present. He, it means to be found. He's pre and I know there are times that God does not answer instantly. But the Bible, th this scripture is talking about instant help that we have. There is times where God d cannot wait. There's, there's times that God can't wait another minute to help us. There's times God can wait a month, can wait a year to help us. But there are times that God has to instantly help us, that there's no time. Either that or we, we perish. There's times, on the other side, there's times where we have to instantly help people too, right? There are times it can't be put off for another day, another week, another month. But God, there are times that God has to instantly help us. It's a comfort to know that God will be our present help. He is waiting for you and me to ask what we need in our times of trouble. He wants to hear our cry and be the, become the source of our assistance. And the last two words in that, in 46 and verse one, in trouble. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Trouble means distressed, anguish. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna touch on this later because, and I'll go to Psalms chapter 46 and verse two, and the first four, five words, it says, therefore, we will not fear. Therefore, we will not fear. Trouble brings anxiety. Anxiety brings uncertainty. Uncertainty brings fear. Fear is to be afraid or have feelings of danger or dread. Fear is unpleasant. Fear is unpleasant. You know, there is a natural fear, right? There is a natural fear that God has instilled in us that, that is, uh, uh, so we, uh, boy, I can't think of the word. So we can survive, right? If there's, if there's a bear coming, or if there's a, there's, there is a, a reason to fear. And there is a, uh, in, <clears throat> I don't wanna say that, um, that it's like, um, Brother Paulson mentioned um, Brother Robinette. He asked about, he asked him some question, but it, because I've heard this before, it said courage. Courage is not an absence of fear. That's not what courage is. Courage is, means you're doing it even if it's a fearful situation. You just do it. That's what courage is. And so there is times that the natural instinct is fear and but I'm just saying there is a there is an unhealthy fear there's an unhealthy fear I've I can't tell you I can't tell you how many times that I've been in uh, like at home well mostly at home I'm trying to think of other times it's happened 
but there's like an evil presence that comes. And the first thing that comes with an evil presence is fear. There's like a fear. It like, it like puts, it puts goosebumps on my body. And it feels like your hair is, is sticking up in the back of your head. And there's just a fear there. And I, I just, all of a sudden, I feel it. There's a fear. And I suppose that, I never thought of this before, but I was thinking, I don't know if there's a spirit of fear that, that God will, you know, if it's me that's fearing or if fear comes with that spirit. And all of a sudden, and I just start rebuking it. And it takes, it takes, you know, whatever, you know, 15 seconds, five seconds, two seconds. It doesn't take very long where it just disappears. But that has happened to me so many times I can't even, I can't count them. I can't count them. Usually <clears throat> it'll be, there's a lot of times I'll be studying and I can, and you can just feel it. And you, ju you just look, you're like, okay. And that you're, you're getting the, you're getting goosebumps and your hair is feeling that way that it's, that it's standing up and you just, it just, I just start rebuking it. And so I understand, I understand fear. There's a natural fear, but there's, there's a fear that it, it just, it's uh, actually, uh, boy, I'm tough, tough finding words here, but, but it's just an, it's a nagging, unpleasant feeling of fear that you're, you're in a, you just, you can't shake it. And I, and a, a Christian, God has given us, and actually the scripture is a way to increase our faith and to make it so we don't have that fear, that we have a trust in God. So, <clears throat> in fact, 1 John 4 and verse 18 says this. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out, all, out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. But fear has torment. And I've been, I've been there. I've been tormented, tormented by fear before. I've been tormented like that. And it's not natural. It's, not, it's actually not something that's common to me. I don't feel, I don't get fearful like that where something just grabs a hold of me and I just absolutely fear it. Well, Job, what did Job say? Uh, when everything, everything, was, everything came upon Job, he said, that which I feared has come upon me. Something like that. In Job, I think chapter 3, he says that. He said, that's, that what I, that's what I feared. It's amazing to me that he could have feared that stuff. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what it, it couldn't have meant that, man, it went right down the line. But there was a fear, something there that, that happened that Job feared, whether it was losing his children or what it was, his health, everything. Or, but he feared that. So, <clears throat> oh, you know, this is something I do have a problem. Well, I do have this on it occurs every once in a while. 
I called this made up fears. That's what my little note here was to remember, made up fears. But I don't know if you guys are this way, if it's just me, but I would say I'm part of the human family sometimes. Every once in a while I am. So you probably act the same way I do, think the same way I do. But it seems like in the middle of the night that troubles are magnified. You wake up and you, you, you sit there and toss and turn, you lose sleep, and, and then I'll wake up in the morning and I'll go, why did I toss and turn and lose sleep about that? It's not a big deal. It's not, as, it's not as big a deal as I made it out to in the middle of the night. And um, <clears throat> I was listening to the radio a few weeks back, and I was in and out of the car. And I, don't, I actually don't listen to the radio very often, and I had it on a Christian station. And there was actually a, a, a program on there, and I was catching some of it. And what I caught one time when I got back in the car... There, there was a guy that was saying, he was said that something about problems and troubles, and he said this, he said, my wife and I have a saying, he, they, they had, I, I think they had, a, uh, they had some catastrophes in their life, or one or something, they lost a child, or there was something that happened in their life, and after that, <clears throat> when they would have a problem, he was saying, he said about the problem, and his wife said to her, to him, he said, we know tragedy and this ain't it. We know tragedy and this ain't it. And we come, when we come to troubles that we've, everybody, everybody in this room has had tragedy in their life. Everybody has had tragedy. But if we put it in perspective, you know, compared to losing parents my wife and I losing parents that, that didn't know God, lost a brother before when he was young, and um, ha having nephews that aren't living for God. You know, to, to, to not have a child that's living for God, you know, that's a tragedy. You know, there, I mean, that's a tragedy. To see somebody lost is a tragedy. And when you compare that to everything else and you say, I know tragedy and this ain't it. And he uses the word, he said he uses the word ain't just for effect. He says he knows it's, it's not proper grammar. But he said, we know tragedy and this ain't it. So there's sometimes our troubles are a lot smaller than we make them out to if we really think about it. So the, there will, therefore we will not fear. He's saying, you see, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear? So he's saying it. How illogical would it be to fear God? Fear, how illogical would it be to fear when we have God that spoke the world's existence on our side? It simply doesn't make any sense. That's what the scripture is trying to tell us. If we have God on our side, it doesn't make any sense to have fear. None. 
We're human though, right? We are human. We'll give ourselves that grace of being human. But it's saying the logical thing is not to fear because we have the God of the universe on our side. <clears throat> and then Psalms, the rest of, of verse two and verse three, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. You know, to me, you know, there's a lot of different interpretations of this scripture, but it looks to me like it is a earthquake and then a possible tsunami that's, and I had to look this up because I remember I, I remember always hearing about tidal waves when I was a kid growing up and everything, and all of a sudden there was a, a tsunami which happened. I don't remember if that was in Japan, I think. is I don't remember where it happened, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, and it's like, what is that? You know, well, so I didn't even really know what the difference was, and I found out that tidal waves are, are just made from, from the earth, the moon, and all that and from what causes waves of gravitational force and, and tsunamis are caused by earthquakes, underground earthquakes. So, so, but it looks like that there's an earthquake that happened and mountains, mountains came off, uh, you know, sides of the mountains came off, went into the sea, there were tidal waves that came up, not just into the low-lying areas, but it actually came into the mountains and I don't want to get ahead. So it's, it speaks of even the unmovable being moved. The solid, the solid foundation of the earth even being moved. And that's what it, it speaks of. And, you know, we live in North Dakota. I looked this up. In the last 135 years, we've had 13 earthquakes. They're documented on a North Dakota website, 13, 13, I don't remember what date it went back to, so it's probably maybe 150 years we've had 13 earthquakes in North Dakota. And um, I can't imagine, I've never been in an earthquake, and I, I would rather have tornadoes here, and, and uh, I'd rather have the snow recorded in every month of the year in North Dakota, and I'd rather have the harsh winters than having semis moving and cars falling into holes and, and the ground. I can't imagine all of a sudden this place starts shaking, and of course we'd want to get out onto what we think is solid ground, but the ground would be sh shaking out there, but at least we don't have something falling on us. But I can't imagine that. And I, I think of reading books about World War II where, where they, the, the um, soldiers would go into foxholes and the enemy would be bombing or we would be bombing them and, and they would be in those foxholes for hours with bombing and, the, and they would say how the earth would be shaking. It would just be shaking and everything that was going on and they called it shell-shocked that people would get done with that and they would just be shell-shocked. They'd just be, they would just be a zombie. And that's, I, I can imagine that's probably the way it is with, a, with an earthquake. It doesn't last a couple hours, but 
you would go and there's what you think is solid footing is shaken and I don't has anybody been in a earthquake well yeah so yeah I can't imagine I just can't imagine an earthquake and and um, but it's everything that's solid that we think is in is unmovable right we think it's we think we're it's stable we think the ground is stable and and um, so these verses though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea though the waters thereof roar and be troubled though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof these two verses show the very extreme circumstances of us being needing help these are the extreme right everything everything that we think is solid is moving that's an extreme and um, it's uh, it's the worst possible scenario it proves the capabilities of God of a God that is interested in helping mankind if he's willing and able to help with the worst worst possible trouble he's willing and able to help with the small matters not just the great things not the, just the huge things but we need God help God's help in everything we can't without him we can do nothing we need on the extreme that that Psalms 46 2 and 3 are talking about to that extreme where everything is moving everything we think that is solid and immovable is moving and to the other extreme of that spectrum is the small things it's the tiny things it's the things that get me and don't get you it's the things that that you would think you think well that's not a big deal that's not a big deal but to me it is and to you it is it isn't it's the small things it's the big things <clears throat> and in fact Jesus came Jesus came and he proved Psalms 46 if you read I went through I got I'm not going to be able to go through this but I went through I went I quickly went through Matthew I just went through Matthew and all the times that God was willing to help people in uh, Matthew chapter 8 in verse 2 and 3 there was a leper that comes and he was cleansed he, he asked he, he, he came and worshiped him and said Lord if thou wilt thou canst make me make me clean so he asked he said heal me so a leper comes to and asks to be to be healed and there's a, uh, a lady that, oh no, the centurion came and said his, his servant lies sick with palsy and he's grievously tormented. And the Lord said, I'll come and heal him. I'll come and heal him. So there's constant, there's, through the scripture, there's constant where Jesus came to help people in trouble. And... Um, So in Matthew, and then to top it off, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11, Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. 
for everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened or what man is there of you whom if a man or if his son asketh bread will he give him a stone or if he asks fish will he give him a serpent if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them which ask him you know all we have to do is ask all we have to do is ask and of course <clears throat> of course we don't I, I was thinking when I was going through this I was thinking if I could was there one single person that came to Jesus and asked him for forgiveness of sins could anybody think of one in the gospels there was the rich young ruler that came and said good master what must I do to inherit eternal life and I that is probably the closest thing I, that I can find that I can think of that somebody came to him to Jesus and said will you forgive my sins he forgave sins he said even with healing people he said your your sins are forgiven but did anybody can anybody think of anybody I can't think of one and you know what I thought about this and I thought you know we come to Jesus for selfish reasons right we come because my stomach hurts my head hurts my all these things we want some relief but but even with Jesus coming in the New Testament and showing what he thinks of Psalms 46 he didn't he did not complain one time he did that I can think of when he said that they came because of the food right he fed the whatever the time it was that time 5,000 and he came and they all came because of the food that's what he said but other than that I can't think of a time where he actually got after somebody and said what are you doing asking me to be healed he never got after anybody about that most of the time it was because of something they were doing to keep somebody else away from God is what he would get upset about so my point with that is you know that's if if there's not a time that we can think of that Jesus got after somebody for asking why don't we ask he doesn't have a problem with it but of course <clears throat> let's stand you know with life has a dual nature wonderful and hard troubles and struggles are common to life Psalms 46 is an encouragement and a faith builder whether we are in the midst of a gale force trouble or a mild breeze trouble we are safe and secure in the arms of a loving Savior and I wrote down here God God doesn't promise us a life without troubles he never promised us that but he does promise to be with us in our troubles 
He promises that to us. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and kindness. Thank you for your people. Lord, we pray that you'd help, help us today. We pray that you'd help us, that we would, we would lean on you and we would, we, would, we would abide by these promises that you have in your, in your word, Lord God, that they would encourage us and we would grow closer to you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that we would come to you in our time of troubles. In your precious name we pray. Thank you, Jesus. You're dismissed for about 10 minutes in Jesus' name.